You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. Let's get to it. Open your Bibles and uh, the ushers have Bibles. If you don't have one, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2 and we will be looking at that passage in just a moment. And if you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand. The ushers would love to put a copy of God's Word in your hand. And if you don't have a copy of God's Word at home, please take that home with you and allow God's Word to do a good work in your life as you read it and ask Him to change you uh, by His mighty and powerful Word. All right, so we started this new little mini-series just last week, and, and it is called, Here is the Church. Here is the church, and, and, um, and, and this series is, is meant to help guide and prepare us for the next season of ministry and discern um, collectively and for our leaders and our elders to discern what the Lord would have for us in a greater way as a church, as many decisions in the coming weeks and months need to be made. And this sermon series is kind of taken from that nice little poem, that, you know, uh, little kid's poem, here's the church, here's the steeple, open the doors and see all the people. And, 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 and now we must understand, though, that when it comes to the church, that, that the church is not confined to a building. We can have church in a German-Canadian harmony club upstairs hall. And, and the church can be in a parking lot. And, and we understand that, that it's more than that. The church is the ecclesia in Greek is the word, meaning the assembly or the called out ones. And, and there's a number of different ways you could describe and define the church. And, and one of those ways is, is, is through the universal or the global invisible church that is made up of believers all over the world and throughout all the centuries. In a sense, it's the, it's the, it's the way that God sees the church but, because He ultimately knows just because someone is in the church doesn't mean that they are in God's church. Does that make sense? Just because you're in church doesn't mean you are part of the invisible universal church because you haven't come to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. And, and, G, and, and God knows who those are. And, and it's made up of true believers all over the world through the centuries. But then there are also local expressions of the church, like Hope Bible Church here in the Okanagan. And, and, and these are local visible expressions and, and, and of what God is doing and, and proclaiming the Word of God. And, and some of this we're going to continue to explore, some of the theology of the church in the weeks ahead, Lord willing. But God's A plan is for the church. It is for a contagious, spirit-filled, gospel-living, Bible-proclaiming disciples in community together impacting our world for Jesus Christ. And He has no plan B. That is His plan, is for the church. It's not going to ever be where He's like, you know, I'm just done with you, and we're going to come up with a new model, a new way to, to make disciples. No, His plan always has been. And we're going to actually see later on, again, Lord willing, in the series, that, that, that His church, it, it didn't start in Acts 2. It started back with Abraham. 
and the covenant that he made. And, and so we see the called out ones, the assembly, the, the, the ones that God has, has, has worked in their lives and has brought salvation. And then individually and collectively, we work and learn and grow together. And I trust that in the next number of weeks, individually and then also corporately, even where necessary as a church, we will examine, we will repent, we will realign our lives as we explore God. God's word and see the pattern and the priorities that that he has for us as his church last week we looked at the mission of the church and what that entails and today we want to look at the pattern or the marks of a contagious church and if you're taking notes I'd encourage you to write that down the marks of a contagious church we're gonna look at four of them today and in order for us to do this it is best that we look to the original to the original New Testament church seeing we are still living in this New Testament era. So we need to go back and look at the original. And some of you will remember, because you're that old, um, in, in the mid-1980s, or maybe you've read about it because you just love fun facts, but in the mid-1980s, I think it was in 1985, Coca-Cola came out with a new Coke. They marketed it that they had a better Coke, a wonderful, a more, uh, j- just a better recipe than the hundred-year-old thing that they had been using, thinking that this would give them a def- decisive edge versus their competition, which is Pepsi. And so this was going to really propel them in the drinking wars. And, uh, well, it bombed. And it bombed big time. Some of you will remember that, that, that I mean, people hated it. And I mean, if there was social media back then, it would have been trending. In fact, I read one thing this past week that in the southern states, there was such an outpouring of anger. They said, this is part of our regional identity. And you took and you messed with it. And, and, and so uh, within a number of months, they brought back Coke Classic. And, uh, and the new Coke slowly faded out into obscurity. And, um, and, and they kind of learned a valuable lesson. Don't mess with the original. And so even for us today, we don't want to mess with the original. It's vital as one of the expressions of God's church here in Kelowna that we look at and we learn from the Acts 2 church. And this New Testament church is a beautiful pattern for us today. So let's read in Acts chapter 2 starting at verse 42. And it says, and they. And just stop there for a moment. These were people in Jerusalem. They were people that were in Jerusalem during the Feast of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out, when the Gospel was preached, and and, and these are the people that repented, believed, and were baptized. So that's who it's referring to. And you can read all about that just at the start of chapter 2. And and it says, and so, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. 
Something beautiful, something amazing began here in Acts chapter 2. And it started to grow, and it started to multiply, and it started to spread. And that same work, slightly different in context, but that same work, this pattern that we're going to see, the marks of a contagious church, can and ought to continue on today. Now Charlotte's parents, every year, put in a beautiful garden in their um, Uh, yard in Saskatoon. They also put in a garden on the old farm property that they have. And and, and there you see just a beautiful picture of uh, my father-in-law just uh, washing some potatoes so he could send some home with us. And, and, And part of their garden is to plant a variety of tomatoes. And for over 40, between 40 and 50 years, they didn't know exactly, they have been growing a certain variety every year. And they're called Russian tomatoes. And, and, and uh, they, they're called Russian tomatoes because they came from Russia. So, good name to call it. One of their relatives was visiting in Russia, brought back some seeds, some tomato seeds, some Russian tomato seeds, and every year they've been growing it. And so every year they take a really good tasting one of those Russian tomatoes and they save the seeds out of them. They dry them and then they, they, they get them ready and they, she starts, my mother-in-law starts growing them in early, early spring to get them going so they can put them in the garden again. And for years, and, and these tomatoes, I'm not the biggest tomato fan, but this is a good meaty tasty, sweet, not dry, not too juicy tomato that's sliced really nice. And this is another, this is a strange, I don't know, Charlotte's family tradition, um, but it slides really nice on French toast, cheese whiz, and some sliced tomatoes. It really does. And before you start judging, try it, okay? It actually isn't bad. So, and if you want to go all out, put a little syrup or on it as well, if you so desire. And it slides quite nice. And they've been doing this for 40 to 50 years, and they take the original and they continue to keep growing it, and, and it blesses many. Well, similarly, one of our elders is into making some pretty strange home brew. And, uh, and he keeps it on their kitchen counter. And uh, it, it looks like this, and, and it, it actually looks a lot like, I, I, I would call it probably, well, as I call it, a spleen in a jar, all right? And, and I'm not going to say whose it is, like who, what elder this is, just to protect their identity, but his wife Nina wanted you to know for sure <laughs> that, oh, that, um, that this, isn't, this isn't a science experiment. Um, if one of you guys could get a wedge, this thing is going to drive me nuts. We are rocking back and forth, and my sermon's not even rocking yet. So, um, anyways, um, so, so, so here we have this um, kombucha, it's called, and the spleen that it looks like is actually, um, it, it's called a scoby, all right? So, and, and, and this is a live bacteria, those cards are good for something, aren't they? Good, good, good. Thank you, Brett. And so, so, so what this is, is a, um, a drink that has live bacteria that claims to be good for you, and it promotes gut health. It's supposed to promote that. Um, it, it, it rids your body of uh, terrible toxins. It boosts your energy. It helps your immune systems. It wards off high blood pressure and heart disease and can prevent cancer. I mean, it is the full meal deal. And so 
what happens is I understand this started years ago for this elder that um, I won't name that um, that started out with a little piece of this bacteria that is growing and he needs to continue to keep dividing it and putting it in more jars and he even has some take-homes if you want some today if you're really into that talk to that unnamed elder but you can um uh, his wife is nina so um and, and and this is supposed to be really good for you and you're supposed to continue if you keep it bottled up in a jar too long it's not going to be a good thing and so it needs to be taken and it needs to be multiplied and it needs to be shared and spread out and 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 ultimately you're supposed to drink it so i am gonna i have not have sampled this so um if something happens to me my notes are here and brett is pretty much ready to go all right so so it's supposed to help with energy and you know, hey, that's not bad. Okay, that was too much. All right. So, anyways. Ooh. Yeah, maybe it's a little strong. We'll just get some, uh, we'll get some club soda on this one. All right, so, so what starts out grows and it multiplies. And the same is to be happening. You take the original and you keep going with it. So here as the church of Jesus Christ, we take a look at the original and we continue to, to learn and to apply and, 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 and pray and prioritize and pursue the qualities personally and corporately of the New Testament church. Now we must understand that this is descriptive what we've just read here and we'll continue to work through and not prescript, prescriptive, all right? This isn't like carbon copy that we do everything identical to how they did it and the way in which they did it. What we see here is we must take these, these elements, these marks of a contagious church, and contextualize them within our culture, within our lives, but we do well to pay attention to these marks that we see here of a contagious, life-changing, eternity-altering, joy-giving church and all along praying in, in for God, oh God, do this again. Oh God, pour out your spirit. Have your way in me. Have your way in us. And then work through us. And so that we too could see, and I believe it is possible, that day by day we see those that are getting saved. It's in God's word. What God has done in the past, He can do yet again. Amen? Amen. And we trust Him for that. So here are some marks of a contagious church. And the first one is personal priorities in place. It's one where we have our personal priorities that are being checked and are in the proper place in our lives. Look what it says in verse 42. It says, And they devoted themselves. That word devoted means steadfast, consumed, all in. And we must ask ourselves, what are the things in our lives, and all of us are, all of us are in somewhere, what are we devoted to? Whom are we devoted to? To what kind of things? And we, devoted to, we devote ourselves to all kinds of things, and some of these are good things. But what things are we so devoted to that, that squeezes out the best things and the things that we see here in this passage? We can be devoted to our work, our family, our friends, making money, leisure, sleep. Some people are devoted to theirs. I need my sleep. I, I need my eight hours or else I'm a bear, you know, or whatever it might be. Or, um, you know, or, or I'm devoted to working out or to my career or reputation or serving or caring for others. You're devoted to that. You're devoted to church. You're devoted to a certain ministry. You're devoted to hobbies, sports, 
shopping, Netflix. The list goes on. The things that we prioritize, that we make time for, the things that we alter, other things in, 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 in purpose and to get involved in, these are the things that we can be devoted to. Now, when it comes to our devotions and our commitments, and especially our spiritual commitments, sadly, I think a lot of times I can fall into this category and I may be in good, category, in, in good company here today where our, our spiritual pursuits and our spiritual lives can be a lot like camp-high Christianity. Can you relate to that? You ever go to Bible camp? You ever go to retreat? You ever go to concert? Where all of a sudden you just get, you're on this spiritual high, and it's like, believe it or not. I mean, life is just good, and, and there's, there's just like you and God, and there's peace with everyone around you, and, 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 and it just kind of, and it, this is kind of like, you know, just, just you get fired up and devoted to the Lord, to your God time, to your, to, to your gather time, to your give time, to your go time. You're devoted, you're all in on these different things. But then all of a sudden, life and distractions and busyness and, 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 and opposition and, 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 and trouble and, and frustration start to set in and we start dropping off of these kind of commitments. But a contagious life and a contagious church is not about bursts and spurts when it comes to our spiritual lives, but rather perseverance and steadfastness, and this is what we see in the life of these believers, there was a devotion, there was a steadfastness, there was this, I'm all in. And when there's this all in nature in God's people and the power of the Holy Spirit prioritizing what we're going to continue to see here, God shows up and God does this work. Look at what they were devoted to. Uh, continuing on here, in verse 42, they devoted to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. First of all, they were committed to gathering. This was regular. Folks, don't, don't read this and see this as legalism together. This is making choices. This isn't a bunch of rules that you do these things and then God shows up. No, this is desiring a heart of, of being together and, and doing life together with fellow believers in Christ. And we see this continually in the book of Acts. Verse 47, it says, day by day. What did they do? They gathered. They gathered at the temple for larger public gatherings. And that's where oftentimes the word of God was preached. That's where prayers were prayed with others. But they also gathered in homes. They gathered in smaller buildings. And, 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 and with a devotion and a steadfastness. This was priority in their lives. My parents are out visiting this weekend from Regina. And, um, and their age is, is showing. And, um, and even a little um, touching when they said yesterday, they said, you know, this may be our last visit to Kelowna. And uh, they'll be, Lord willing, in the second service if uh, my dad doesn't drive and Charlotte does that. And uh, they'll make it here all in. Uh, he will hear this on video, um, I'm sure, later on. But, but, you know, I'm so thankful for my parents, and they'll hear that in the second service, for their devotion to prioritizing for us as a family the gathering of God's people and what they instilled in us. That by hook or by crook, we would be in church and church was a part of our lives. And we had six kids in our family. And, um, and rarely, I mean, I could probably count on one hand the Sundays that we were even late because it was a priority that we needed to be there. My dad wanted to be meeting and greeting. Back then, they didn't have all the organization of, well, you're greeting. It was more of the culture, it would seem. They didn't have all the organization of, well, you're greeting. It was more of the culture, it would seem. And they were there early. 
And only once, I mean, in all the years did um, one of us kids get left at home. And, and um, our youngest brother, he was two years old. One Sunday we're in church and uh, Sunday evening service because we would go Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday evening. And one Sunday evening, all of a sudden, it was, where's Murray? Where's Murray? And you, you know that scene from Home Alone in the uh, airport when it's like, you know, give this to Kevin? And, then, and it was like uh, my mom had um, Murray's blanket and he was supposed to be down in the nursery. And my little brother Murray all of a sudden was like, give this to Murray, give this to Murray, give this to Murray. Murray's not here. Murray's not here. Murray. What? Murray's not here. And we sat in the second row of the church. And it was a big church. And we would sit there as a family. And all of a sudden, everyone knew there was a commotion. One of the kids got left at home. And uh, yeah, um, he slipped out in the backyard and um, was playing and uh, was relatively, I mean, just a few years of counseling. He's fine. Like today, he's, he, he's doing well. He, the, the feeling of abandonment is finally gone. But just the priority that, that this instilled, whether it was on Sundays, whether it was to the um, midweek clubs program or youth group, our lives, our priority was the gathering of God's people. And we desired to instill that in our lives. Sports, music, other hobbies, all came secondary to it. This was primary. And, and, and these are important things that the early church and that we as God's people we, needed to be, we need to be devoted to the gathering of God's people and gathering together with them. And this sent an important message towards us as kids. And Charlotte's family was very on the same page as this. And, and, and loved ones, we don't make these decisions based on pragmatics in that, well, you know, uh, we'll, we'll show up, we'll go to these things if it works. After all, you know, I can't get up that early or stay up that late. I need my sleep. Or, or you know, we, we need to base it on biblical theology and what God's Word has to say and, and to know that God can supersede our rest and give us the rest that we need when we honor Him and that when we put Him first. Our church learned that lesson. Um, uh, through COVID. I mean, we planned our services for the first six years, uh, all before COVID, where we got to stop in the middle and we got to take an offering because God's people need to be given an opportunity to give. And, um, and, and we always say, it so disrupts the service. Can't we do the offering at the beginning? No, because people are late and they're not going to be ready to give, so let's do it in the middle or let's do it at the end because then, you know, people are leaving and the last thing they're wanting to do, you know, got to pass the offering basket around. Then COVID comes. And people found a way to give. And you people in your generosity, I mean, you went over and above the, uh, whatever happened before passing the offering. Notice we don't pass it anymore. We learned a lesson that you trust God and you do God's work, people will find a way to give. And they'll do that. And, and thank you for doing that and, and finding that there's a box there. Most Sundays, I think it's there. I think it's even transitioned over to a nice wooden box. Beautiful. Um, and, and you figure, like, and, and sometimes we think, well, we've got to do things a certain way or else, you know, and like, hey, what does God's word have to say? How do we learn? How do we grow? How do we trust him? And we need to do that with our lives. These people looked for and took full advantage of the opportunities to gather. And these, um, and, and things for these believers, as you continue to look at church history, even in the book of Acts, but even continued on from there, economically, politically, and socially, things were not going to get better for the New Testament church. 
They would lose houses. They would lose land. They would lose jobs. They would lose family members. They would lose these relationships. They would become maligned, mistreated for the sake of the gospel and Jesus Christ. They would become persecuted and some of them would even be put to death. And they did so with a joy and a peace and a per perseverance knowing that this is what God had called them to do. They were faithful together in the gathering. And what did they do in these gatherings? Well, we see another thing they were devoted to is biblical preaching. They devoted themselves, it says, verse 42, to the apostles' teaching. They didn't have the New Testament back then. Peter or Paul couldn't stand up and say, can you please turn to Acts chapter 2 and we're going to look at the marks of a contagious church. They couldn't turn to Romans 12 or to Ephesians 3 or Revelation 20. None of that. They weren't written yet. They relied on the apostles' teaching. And, and, and what the apostles were doing is like what we see just happen prior to, the, to these verses in chapter 2, where Peter gets up and he preaches a sermon and he takes the Old Testament, he takes the biblical teaching of the Old Testament and he ties it all to Jesus and then he shares the life of Jesus, what he came to do, and then you end up seeing what he ended up saying and doing. I mean, what he preached um, uh, was... was was not a seeker-sensitive service or sermon that he proclaimed. He showed these people from the Word of God in the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ was the long-awaited Messiah. And, and, and then he really got to it and because, as I said, not seeker-sensitive, not gimmicky, not ear-tickling, not a candy, cotton-candy sermon at all. You know, just give us some practical stuff, Peter. Come on, hit, hit us with some practical stuff. You know, like how we can, you know, have a better life, make more money, have a stronger influence, and, and, and have a better marriage, and have more obedient children. No. His sermon turned the tables as he was preaching about Jesus, showing him from the Old Testament. And then he says, and you killed him. I mean, he just laid it out there. He said, you are responsible. Your sin killed Jesus. And what does it say? They were cut to the heart. And they said, what ought we to do? And he says, repent, believe, get baptized. Save yourself, he says, from this crooked generation. That was a religious generation that he was talking about. Save yourself from this. You see, the problems in our personal life, the problem with your kids, with your spouse, your coworker, your family member, that person that drives you insane is that you and I, we are all sinners. And we all need the gospel to save us, but also the gospel to sanctify us and sustain us. We need sound teaching and doctrine to strengthen us and our families so that then when the lies and the worldly ideologies or the false teachers or our own flesh desires to tempt us and lead us astray, that we have clearly marked borders because we have been under the teaching and reading the Word of God, that we have God's Word in our lives. I wonder today, loved ones, do we allow God's Word to cut? Do we allow God's Word to have that work in our lives? In Hebrews chapter 4.12, do we let it judge the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart? Or do we just read the Word of God to kind of get calm or to find some peace or, 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 or to get that boost or that shot, that encouragement that we need, to find that peace and comfort in a troubled life, in a troubled world. I mean, that's good. That's a good reason to be reading God's Word. Or do we use it for some ammunition for our arguments so we can load up the machine gun and take people out with the Word of God? Or do we allow the whole counsel of the Word of God 
to soak in over our lives and cause us to be cut to the heart to the point that we repent and say, what I ought to do with this? When we read and hear verses about gossip or a critical spirit, or when we read about not allowing corrupting or unwholesome talk coming out of our mouths or out of our comments, or when we read God's Word about bearing false witness, about lying, or verses about forgiving and, or, or honoring and loving others who may think differently than us. Do we allow God's Word to flood over our lives? When was the last time that you got on your knees in repentance before God? I believe that is an adequate response to who God is. When, when Isaiah was confronted with the holiness and the beauty and the might of God, what was he? He was on his face. He was undone. When was the last time in reading God's Word we've been cut to the heart and say, guilty, guilty, Your Honor. I forgive me, forgive me. And we find cleansing and, and when we confess our sins, He is faithful, He is just, He will forgive us our sins. Do we allow the Word of God to penetrate our lives or do we sit there and say, boy, I sure hope my spouse heard this. I sure hope they're listening. I'm going to send this tape out or I guess you don't do that anymore. I guess I'm going to send this link out. Get them to hear it. Hopefully the Holy Spirit will convict them just like He convicted me. A contagious, compelling, life-changing church starts here with devotion to God's Word, to biblical preaching and teaching. These people were hungry for Are you hungry for the Word of God? Do you come ready to hear God's Word on a Sunday morning? Do you bring your Bibles? Do you open up? Do you read them? Do you follow them? Do you study God's Word throughout the week? I trust that we are. Here's something else they were devoted to, deepening relationships. They were devoted to deepening relationships. It says, the fellowship. Perhaps when you hear the word fellowship, you start thinking what I often think, styrofoam cups, peach powder juice that often was not strong enough, and stale cookies after church in the fellowship hall, because that's what you did, right? And, and that's fellowship, stale cookies, peach juice, maybe for some of you is those red dangerous toxins from the fake fruit punch, you know, that, that, you know, maybe it's why we are the way we are today, you know, and... Uh, you know, and, and that's fellowship. So we go in before or after service and we have fellowship. Stale cookies, punch. And then our church, they started um, bringing out iced tea in the winter. Believe it or not, Regina, what would you do with iced tea in the winter? You put it in hot water and you drink hot iced tea. Was that a thing here? Yeah. Or just a Regina thing? You know, like prairie, I don't know. Anyways, I mean, then you go downstairs and have fellowship and iced tea that is hot. Awesome. Anyways, some of you are going to go, I'm going to try that. Awesome. Kombucha and iced tea. Mix it all. Oh, beautiful. Anyways, so they were devoted to this. And, and fellowship, though, the fellowship, what is referred to here is not just getting together uh, with some friends and, and have pizza and a movie and we're Christians and there's not a lot of swearing in this one. So this is fellowship or a board games night or, you know, have the guys over and you're eating, you know, chips and dip. I mean, uh, organic vegetables with uh, lactose-free um, stuff in it that's flavored with all organic materials and that, you know, and, and, and some chicken wings. Is that, is that fellowship? No. There's fellowship is something more than that. Fellowship, this word koinonia means in common. And, and, and when it refers to the fellowship, this is a reference to the fellowship that we have in relationship with Jesus Christ. The fellowship is referenced to being in Christ. 
And we see this interchangeably through the rest of the New Testament. To be in Christ is to have fellowship with Him. And that is the reference to the fellowship that we see here. This is about the lifeblood of Jesus coursing through our veins which unites true believers in Jesus Christ. Did you know that, that a believing 17-year-old boy, young man, has more in common with a 70-year-old retiree if they are believers in Jesus Christ, then the 17-year-old has in common with his friends who aren't in Christ or the 70-year-old retiree who has a bunch of bowling buddies or golfing buddies that aren't in Christ. They may share a lot. We have the blood of Jesus coursing through our veins. And when the blood of Jesus is coursing through our veins, we have the fellowship. We are in, have so much in common because of our DNA that Jesus Christ is altered, that Jesus Christ is flowing in and through us in unity, in love, in oneness. And it's drawing us to pursue holiness and purity. They devoted to per the pursuit of life together with other believers, with unity, with a oneness, despite various political and social and economic backgrounds and statuses that's what the church is and ought to be that we rally together we unify around jesus christ the fellowship they were devoted to the fellowship of loving caring serving one another and then they were also devoted to expectant prayer they were steadfast in this expectant prayer write that one down they were devoted to it says the prayers they took what was regular and routine as the Jews had regular times for prayer throughout the day and they would go to the temple and actually, actually see chapter 3, verse 1. Um, we see Peter and John heading down to the temple for the regular prayer time. And what happens when you pray with expectancy in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the Word of God, in fellowship with one another, and it's so cool, just read chapter 3. Go home and read that. I mean, you can even skim it right now when you get bored during this message. Just see what happens. They go for the regular routine time of prayer and God shows up. And miracles happen, and God does a work. They were praying and believing for God to do the miraculous. They were believing that God would answer their prayers. But so oftentimes, we just keep the routine of the routine. And we don't pray expectantly with boldness and with faith according to the Word of God. And we pray in the will of God, asking God's will to be done. And we believe and we ask for His will, His Word to be accomplished beautifully. God showed up in a powerful way over and over and over again as you read through the book of Acts as a result of expectant prayers. Next Sunday afternoon, we're getting excited about this as a staff and those who are hearing about it, we, Lord willing, the weather will be good and we um, desire to have mountaintop prayer night, four mountaintops um, kind of spread throughout, Lord willing, West Kelowna, somewhere in Upper Mission, uh, Glenmore area perhaps, or, or, or Lake Country. All those details will be in the e-news. We'll, we'll get that news out there. At 4 p.m., we want people to go to the one closest to them, and we're going to worship the Lord up there, and then we're going to pray expectantly for God to work in our lives, in our church, in the churches in our city, and, and, and that God would, would, would give us a heart for this region, and that God would do great and mighty things, and, and, and come getting ready to pray some expectant prayers of asking God to work. 4 p.m. next Sunday, skip church in the day if you have to, but you shouldn't have to, you should be able to do both, you can fit it in. You have a week's notice, so, so I encourage you to come be part of that, details in the e-news, and on social media for that. Oh, may our personal and our corporate gatherings not just be simply regular and routine, 
but would there be expectant prayers, believing and asking God to move. And as a result of these personal priorities to gathering, personal priorities to the Word of God, changing and cutting their hearts and, and, and allowing God's Word to bring healing and wholeness and truth and strength and stability and in deepening relationships with one another and expectant prayer, we see the result. We see, number two, the second mark, we see God's power on display. There was this rich experience of God's glory. Look at verse 43. And it says, And awe. This wasn't, Oh man, when is this service going to be over? Oh man, we have to go to church again. Oh man, I have to go to prayer. I have to go to small group. Oh man. And sometimes that is our attitude, right? But this wasn't the case here. It was like, And awe. I can't believe what God is doing. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. This awe means a reverent, jaw-dropping, fear, wonder, amazement at the power and the glory of God. And when you see God at work and you see God do things in people's lives, in salvations, in transformations, in healings, in experiences, palpable presence in a place, there is that jaw-dropping, oh, what a place to be. What to be part of something like this. And how does God work in salvations? Daily people are getting saved. Transformations. When God gets hold of life, people change. We start to love the things we used to hate or mock we, we start um, to, to hate the sin that we used to love. And sometimes that happens instantly and sometimes it's a process. And this transformation from one degree of glory to another through salvations and transformations and then this results in exaltation. It says they were, verse 47, they were praising God. They recognized that they were not the audience. Did you know that? That when you come here on a Sunday, and, and I don't know if we could reverse it somehow and, and, and to change it up a, a little bit, um, it, you're not the audience. You're not the audience on a Sunday morning. And I'm not the, on the stage. We're not the audience. We are all the participants. We are all the participants to the triune God of the universe. He knows. He's watching. He knows what's in our heart. He sees our words, our lack thereof. He, he knows what's going on in our heart. Why we don't sing. Why we don't praise the Lord? He knows the battles, the struggles. And when God is at work and we are pursuing the right priorities and we are pursuing God's Word and transformation in our own heart, there is this praise of God. Would we worship Him in spirit and in truth? Their worship was, oh, may our worship be similar to that. Be passionate and a celebration in who God is and what He's done. Through Christ, would He set us free to worship Him? Even at the end here today, we're singing a song of victory, a song just reminding us of, of what God has done and then be thinking of what He's, he, he's, he's doing and, and trusting Him for what He is yet to do. And what else did they see? Miracles. God's power was on display in miraculous ways. Sadly, today, um, churches and some, some teachers try to manipulate or counterfeit miracles to try to draw people in and use all kinds of different means to do that. But we must remember that miracles are, are, are not the message. As we are going through the uh, Gospel of Mark, we saw that very early on. The miracles are not the message. The Gospel is the message. And for Jesus, even His miracles were to authenticate the message. And even here, we see this in the book of Acts, we see that the miracles were authenticating the message of the apostles. It wasn't the main focus. It wasn't the main thing. Oh, go and get your healing. 
Yeah, the, the greater healing that God wants to do in our lives is in our heart. And eternity stands in the balance, not just our physical well-being. So you take these repenting, baptized believers filled in the power of the Holy Spirit, prioritizing their lives around the Word of God with sound teaching, gathering and deepening relationships, praying expectantly, worshiping passionately, living for and seeking the glory of God. You have awesome. You have awesome happening. Which leads to then the third mark that we see. Joy and generosity. Verse 44. And it says, All who believed were together and all and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. Now, just to be clear, this is not some early form of communism, as some would like to have you believe these days. This, this wasn't that at all. This wasn't sell all your possessions, pool it all together, and let's all live together on some Hope Kelowna commune somewhere out in the bush somewhere. That's not what this is, he's talking about happening here at all. And we see all throughout the book of Acts that believers still had private property. At times they would sell some of that private property in order to give to the work of the church. Nor was this some sort of new ideology that they were all being forced and guilted into. They weren't being forced to give. This was voluntarily. They were giving out of gladness of their hearts. They joyfully saw one another as extensions of themselves. And so they gave freely. They saw everyone. I mean, when our kid has a need, we bust whatever we need to bust and do whatever we need to do to help our kids, right? And sometimes there's loving discipline that needs to happen, but that's the same in the body of Christ. We are there for, we see one another as like our kids. And yet we can be so guarded and guided by our own pride and our own selfishness, self-centeredness, me included. But look at verse 46, and, and it says, I mean, they had this generosity with their time, with their possessions, their talents, using their gifts, their spiritual, spiritual gifts given to them to bless and build up the body of Christ. And look what happened, verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread, they were sharing meals together. This is getting together and having potluck. This is getting together and having some food. Someone's home, in a restaurant, wherever that might be, a picnic. And they did this in their homes and they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. There was joy. There was laughter. There was this gaining of weight more than likely within the body of Christ. Um, back then, it, anyways, we'll just continue. This joy was just oozing out of them, all right? Like this was just like this was, I mean, God was doing, what was, and, and what was the result of all of this? Outsiders, a watching world, neighbors, co-workers, family members are noticing changes. They're noticing some changes. The joy, the love, the kindness, the integrity that's growing and building in a, in a believer's life. And that looks, or that leads us to the fourth mark that we see. There was contagious, ongoing multiplication. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. People were being drawn in. Just like cookies or bread baking in the oven. Doesn't that just draw you in? You're like, give me some now. Just like meat on the smoker that just draws in the carnivore. Or that colorful salad that just draws in that person who likes salad. <laughs> I mean, in the same way, these marks, these priorities, these devotions, 
brought in an outside, unsaved, lost world. People saw the life. They saw the joy. They saw the change. They saw the devotion. They see that we're not all just loosey and goosey and just some sort of religious routine that we're just kind of going through the motions. When they see you leaving on a Sunday morning and you're dressed up maybe a little bit nicer than you do through the rest of the week and, and, and they see you leaving at the same time, they start to say, hey, there's something they're pretty committed to. Every Sunday, see them doing that. We see our neighbors every morning take off early in the morning for their walk and then later on we hear them because they're very uh, they're, they're neat freaks. You hear this... And it's like Harvin and Elaine are home. And like, great, they're out walking. Well, in the same way, as we are going through the daily routines in devotion to one another, in devotion and in worship and praise and thanksgiving to our God, it sends a message. This is how Christ builds the church. They may look and say, you're weird. And they probably will say that, especially with some of you. Uh, but, but, but with that, they, but they see the change. And they may see it as, first of all, as religion, but they start to see there's relationships that you have with God. There's a peace. There's, there's a presence in your life and in your family that's changing. And they start wondering, where, tell me about your Jesus. Where does the joy come from? How can I have a life? How can I have peace like you have? This is how Christ builds His church. Regular people in the routine of life, living out the life of Christ marked by the gospel in our connections, in our gratitude, in our joy, and in the praise that is on our lips. We gather together to experience God, and then we scatter out on mission throughout the week so that more and more people like us, broken, sinful, will come to a place to find Jesus to be their all in all. And that's how Christ builds His church. The Acts Church, many of them, in the days, the weeks, the months, the years ahead, they would lose family over Jesus. They would lose lands and property and friendships and connections and jobs. They would face persecution and even death. And yet they were gathering together with joy, desiring to experience God's glory. And so they did. Let's bow our heads right now. The band is going to come as well as our prayer partners. Just as we're taking a few moments just to examine what we have heard here today. You are here today, you're in a, in quotations, church, but are you part of the church? Are you part of the church as the way God sees you today? Just in, with heads bowed and just thinking about this and examining your life, have you turned away from your sin from your own agenda, from your plans, your own way to God, and place your trust in Jesus Christ alone. Who as the Son of God came to this earth, fully God, fully man, lived a perfect life, lived in perfect obedience, the life that we could never live, and He died a substitutionary death on the cross for our sin, paying for that sin. He took the wrath that we deserve but then he rose three days later so that we could have eternal life. Have you confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Give him your sin and he will replace it with his righteousness and forgiveness. And when we repent and believe in him, we join his family. That's the church. 
And when we publicly identify with him then, as his word says in, in water baptism, have you done this? Take these steps today if you haven't. Today if you're here and you have taken those steps, maybe it's like you're kind of dating the church and you need to commit. Maybe you need to step up in one or many of the priorities we talked about today. Personally, with your family, getting into community with others. What excuses are you coming up with? What are the competing interests and commitments that need to be reevaluated and or dropped? What do you need to commit to? There's many opportunities for us to gather and to grow and to learn and to care for in worship and prayer and service for and with one another and ultimately for God's glory. What is it for you? Is there an area in God's Word you've been ignoring that's been cutting you to the heart and you've been running from obedience? You need to get on your knees before God and just be allow His Word to cut you to the heart and then to stitch you back beautifully together. Run to Him today in obedience. Oh God, with the truth that we have been looking at here from Your Word and proclaiming, oh God, would it have a great effect in our lives through obedience, through examining our lives. God, we pray that you would grow the Acts 29 chapter here at Hope Bible Church, here in the Okanagan in British Columbia. And would our influence spread into the cities and towns and this region and believers across Canada uniting together in the gospel around the proclamation of your word, seeing day by day people getting saved. Do that here, we ask. Do that in us. Work through us. Equip us. Strengthen us. Have your way in us. And God, we rejoice that you can do great things. You have done great things. You are doing great things. But would we align our lives so we get part of that work? And even now, Lord, I pray that our response to you in worship would be a passionate response of declaring, O hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. Because of the gospel, we have life. Awake us to live out your mission, your life that you would have for us as your people, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Now let's stand up and declare beautifully together in response to him today.